Welcome, my friend. My name is Joe Bakmutsky, and this is The Happy You. On this show, we talk about healing from trauma to live a happier, more fulfilled and purposeful life. And today, I'm speaking to Dr. Kathy Kesselman. Kathy is a survivor of child sexual abuse. And we talk about understanding what happened to you and the possibility of living a full, rich, beautiful life beyond the struggle and the difficulties that you might be facing and finding your own path towards healing. Thank you for being here, my friend. Kathy, I want to, first of all, I want to honor your experience um, as a survivor and things you've seen and experienced and the difference that you're making. So I want to thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you. It's a pleasure. Kathy, you know, when I was reading your book, um, Innocence Revisited, I was really just like, I was really gripped by your experience of almost uncovering what happened to, to you as a child and I think that's often the thing about going through a traumatic experience. It's, it's, it's so difficult to make sense of the situation. So, you know, when you're dealing with a traumatic time or a difficult experience in your life, what can help you to, to make sense of the situation, of what's going on? Look, I mean, I'll speak from my experience. And uh, it was particularly challenging for me because I didn't remember what had happened to me. And so um, learning about it uh, happened in stages and happened in fragments and because traumatic memory is often stored in fragments. And when we say re we remember trauma, in this sense, we don't remember it, we relive it. And you relive it in your body with, you know, feelings and sensations and emotions, which are very alive. It's like reliving a part of what happened to you, but not necessarily with the context. So you have all these bits coming back and you're trying to put them together to, you know, not just to make sense of what happened and why, but what actually did happen, you know, before you can begin to make sense of it, you need to have a sense of, well, what was it? Um, and so for me... That process was about building a narrative of my own past, which I did, you know, both from uh, those experiences that came back to me, but also from a lot of exploration, and I gradually pieced it together. And as I pieced it together, uh, what it did was help to explain a lot about me that perhaps had been a little bit mysterious to me and you know, things made much more sense and I gained a lot more clarity because if you don't know what you've gone through, you, can, you know, it's really hard to know who you are, uh, where you fit in the world. Um, so, I mean, that's a particular experience. Yeah, exactly. And what sort of things did you learn about yourself, about the, the person that you are? Because I think it's such a, it's such a big... Um, it's such a big distinction, as you say, about the traumatic experience of yeah. what you lived through, but also the impact that it's had yeah. on your life. Yeah. Well, what I learned was that until I 
had some sense of all of that story um, that I was very defended and cut off, that I actually um, was not as emotionally available as I would have liked to have been or feel I am now. Um, and certainly with, you know, with my, with my family and with people who are close to me. So, and I also was probably quite, um, I used humour, I still use humour as a very good defence, but my humour then was probably a little um, sharper than it is now mm-hmm. um, and a little blacker. And, you know, that was, that was a way of me, you know, staying in control without really being in control at all. And I suppose the other thing I really learnt over time was that, you know, I had a very fully developed sense of myself. Um, so I was I was a doctor and that sounds a bit weird that, you know, as a doctor you have a you have a self definition, but my self definition was in that role. It wasn't about who I who I was as a human being. And you know, I gradually had to build a sense of who I was, and you know what I what I realised was that, you know, I hadn't really learnt about what it was I I liked, what I didn't like. Um, I didn't, you know, I hadn't been free for whatever reason uh, to make choices in my life, even though I might have thought I did. Um, and you know, that's quite a realisation because I was, you know, in my mid forties when when I when I realised that. Um, and that was a really challenging process and quite confronting. Um, so, you know, I, I thought I was, you know, pretty functional and pretty competent and, you know, to the external world, maybe I was, but, but there were some bits missing in a way. Um, and, you know, unless you, yeah, and I, I, I suppose I had a very sort of poor sense of self-worth as well. I didn't value myself. I didn't care for myself. I didn't know how to look after myself. In fact, I wasn't high on the priority at all. And that's something, you know, many survivors and struggle with, and I still struggle with that to a degree. Um, so, yeah, I learnt, I learnt a lot, um, but it was over you know, a long, circuitous period of time uh, and supported by a you know, pretty intense therapeutic process. Um, just to help hold me and help me to to feel safe, um, you know, while I went on this journey of exploration, personal exploration. And I love this metaphor of the journey uh, because its journey is something that means you are, as you say, you're exploring. You're, you're, you. It doesn't have it doesn't have a deadline and, and journey. It means you, you can you can try things and see what makes sense or how it kind of fits in together, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think, you know, we're all on a permanent journey, you know. I don't think, you know, I don't think, I mean, there is an end point. That's a different, you know, that's a different concept. Um, And we're all evolving. I mean, I suppose this is just a bit more of an intense process of evolution than one that some others, you know, go through. I mean, I... You know, when at the beginning of this process, I had a realization that I had really no memory or virtually no memory of 10 years of my childhood, you know, good or bad. Um, and that was really quite confronting because, 
you know, again, I, you know, I was, I was a, I was a GP. I was, you know, reasonably functional, and but yet there was this big gap. And you know, what I realised is that I used to, you know, cover it up. I'd learned how to, you know, explain it away. Um, but it was scary. It was really frightening. Um, and it would certainly leave me feeling quite alienated in, in sort of everyday conversations when people were reminiscing about, you know, what they ate for lunch at school, and I had no idea. Um, I couldn't put myself back there at all. Um, so that was a, a challenging part of the process as well. Absolutely, and it really speaks to me the, that I uh, that feeling, that sense of being lost. I almost feel like there are parts of my life where I feel they're almost covered in mist. Like I, I almost had like a like almost like a physical sensation of things being not clear. Like you, you're wandering around uh, and, and you can't even see things. We talk about clarity. I think it's a very real thing. Like it almost was confusing and and confounding um, in that way. And I think that decision, I know you spoke about freedom and you spoke about choices. I think that decision to go and try to figure that out is super courageous because I think it's very difficult to face that. Yeah, I mean, I suppose I didn't make the decision. The decision was made for me because I became very unwell. Um, and so I had what in sort of, you know, old terminology is, is, is called a breakdown. Um, and so from being a, you know, a busy GP uh, with four kids and, you know, being able to do, you know, most things with the parent ease, I was virtually bedbound um, and completely um, unable to, yeah, to do most things. Uh, and so, you know, it was foisted on me to need to, <laughs> need to start to, to explore. Um, but, yeah, you know, it was a it was a tough journey uh, for sure, and uh, you know, one that I wouldn't wish on anyone, but one that I needed to have because I do think it's given me, you know, a lot lot of clarity. Uh, you know, I'll never know everything that happened, and that doesn't matter. But what it's helped me to do is is make sense of who I am, and make sense of who I am in the world, and how I relate to others. Um, and I think that that's pretty bottom line. Yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, when you were going through that experience, you you you're obviously like as you as you're saying, you're supported by uh, you know a therapeutic process. And was there was there anything that you were doing that helped you to piece things together? Were you, were you uh, were you writing things down in some way? Were you talking through through things with people? What was helpful to you? Yeah, I mean, there were quite a few things that were helpful, obviously, the therapeutic process and being held. Um, but, you know, that was a that was a space that was, um, again, an experience I hadn't had to, to, to feel so safe, to feel like someone kept you in mind, to actually build a sense of trust. And that took a long, long time for me to be able to, to do that. Um, I had some close friends who actually knew that it was okay to say, I don't know what to say, but I'm, I'm here, you know, so what do you need? I also, because I need to understand, 
I became an avid reader of psychology books <laughs> <laughs> and cleaned out the local library very quickly. Um, you know, just trying to trying trying to try to explore and make sense. And for me, writing, um, you know, is really really powerful. And so, as as I recovered, you know, these these fragments of what I'd experienced, I'd write them down. But it was initially it was much more of a catharsis. It was a purge, um, and you know, it was a stream of consciousness. But as I tried to weave my book together, what that was, and there was a lot of working and reworking, and I write it very differently now, you know, uh, because I thought at the time it was very processed, and when I look back, it's probably, you know, not nearly as 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 processed as I thought it was. But but that weaving together of those different fragments and trying to make sense of it uh, helped to weave me and the different parts of myself together. Um, and writing for me is a is a way that you know I can get trauma out, <laughs> it's sort of out onto a page, and that was interesting in therapy because for a long time I couldn't speak about what was what was happening or what I was remembered had happened. I think because obviously the shame was overwhelming, um, but I'd taken some of what I'd written. And you know, give it to my therapist, um, and eventually I could start to read it, and then I could start to speak, and so it was a it was a medium um, for getting it out and and where it could be examined, putting it in the light, um, where it could be thought about, spoken about, explored, and I also did some investigations into my past, so looking, you know, looking in various places to try and you know, secure dates and work out, you know, what happened when, because part of what I also struggle with, and I still struggle to this day, is is with chronology um, and, and sort of putting things in order, um, because that's part of what was impacted by the trauma. Absolutely. And, and I want to also speak to, you know, the process of therapy, because I think it's something that is sometimes necessary when you've been through traumatic experience but it's also difficult to do because um as you say there it requires building trust with someone it allows you to it, it, it kind of you you have to be vulnerable you have to be in the position where you 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 are ready to share it and also the fact that uh, you know you 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 don't know where it's going to go and you don't really yeah. know what to expect right because yeah. right I, I don't really know like i, I guess for many years, one of the reasons why I did not access any kind of therapy is you don't really know what to expect, yeah. right? Like you don't know how it works. Well, and you also need to let go of control. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, you know, which, you know, and certainly in my case, I was someone who learned to be fiercely independent because my world was dangerous and, um, and I felt, you know, frequently under threat. And so I learned um, at that time that the only person I could trust was myself. And, of course, that's not, you know, a great way to go, go through the world. And so that's why building trust with a therapist took a long time. But it was an incredibly painful, difficult, but yet empowering process. So 
you know, and uh, and and certainly at, at times it, it got worse before it got better. And the other thing, you know, that I learned from therapy was that you know the slower you go, the faster you get there. You know, so it's certainly for me, and I had a therapist who, you know, walked alongside me for a long, long time. Um, but if ever she even gave me the gentlest nudge that would actually have a negative effect because it was so fragile. My process was so fragile. And I had I had no control over what was coming coming up and coming out. Um, and so yeah, there was no I had no plan. I'm sure she did. <laughs> but, you know, we we'd always work with what I presented with on the day in the session. And, you know, we'd we'd you know, sit together and, you know, it was reliving. It was incredibly traumatic for me and I'm sure for her um, because there was some pretty, you know, awful stuff that we had to try and then make sense of stuff. And, you know, some of it is not anything you can ever make, really make sense of. And I suppose that was part of what I had to accept, that I certainly would never know totally what happened to me. And I would never be able to explain why in that sense. But I could understand much better myself and understand, as I said before, who, who I am. And that's, you know, and, and build an emotional um, sensitivity that I think was, was blunted <laughs> before. Um, and, you know, as a human being, I'm, you know, I feel much more comfortable with myself and my relationships and certainly with family relationships which are the most critical of all and that's been an incredible you know, process for everyone in our family obviously it's been incredibly my trauma has been incredibly traumatic both in the reliving but also in the you know the impacts of when it wasn't understood wasn't known the way i was engaging or not engaging and as you say there's um that there is there is a release that you almost start to to feel again in a way uh and and uh, and also that there's a there's a i think a vital sense that you speak to as well that i'm also on that journey of of uh, of acceptance and when i say acceptance i mean mm. self-acceptance accepting yeah. yourself accepting your experience whether you have all the answers or not but accepting yeah. yourself as, as you are yeah how how does that uh how does that uh process of i guess self-acceptance how does it work for you and how does it support you in in just living the daily life yeah well for me you know because i had all these fragments i was in i was also in parts in a sense we all have different parts of us but for me they were really quite um uh separate and what I had to do was accept all the different parts of myself. And some of those parts were parts that I was profoundly ashamed of um, because of, you know, the abuse I'd experienced. And it's a very common response is that you, you blame yourself, you feel bad, um, and you also judge yourself incredibly harshly. Um, and so what I had to do was start to accept those parts that I really wanted to get rid of, you know, that, that I actually 
you know, denied. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, uh, you know, I remember my therapist, you know, telling me to embrace them, and I, you know. I wanted to uh, to clout her because you know <laughs> thought of thought of embracing you know something that to me was so aversive on some level, but of course it was part of who I am, and we're all you know we've all got this whole dynamic range, and so it was yeah accepting, and I'm not, you know I'm not saying I'm finished or done, you know I don't want you know that to. <laughs> You know, it's, it's it's always an ongoing process, but but accepting you know those different parts of myself and those different experiences, and and accepting that you know I'm not, never going to know it all, but this is how I got here, um, and then okay, you know we we we've got the sense of ourselves, and you know, and we we you know we we decided you know we know, we know what we want, we know we can make choices. Uh, it's a different way to go through the world, and we've got, you know, some very meaningful relationships because we're able to, you know, build better relationships, more meaningful relationships, um, and so yeah, it's just a, it's a healthier way to go through the world rather than, you know, withdrawing into your own space. Um, you know, we're we're relational beings. And, you know, it makes sense that when you've been harmed in relationships, you don't fear them. But as you gradually build trust, and for me it was initially in a therapeutic space, but that that then gen, uh, generalises and you can trust other relationships more. Um, and the more open you are, uh, the more you will let others in. So talk to me about building trust, Kathy. So what's helped you to build trust with uh, with people who are already in your life, but also with people you you were meeting on as you were going through this journey of, of um, healing and, and I guess self discovery. What what do you feel has been helpful to you in building trust? Is it is it being more open? Is it letting go of control? What's look? It's a, it, look. It's an interesting process because you know when you've been betrayed. You know, in in such a fundamental way by the by the people who really should care and nurture nurture you, care for and nurture you, um, it does take a long, long time. And you also, you know, don't develop a sense of healthy boundaries because you've been, you know, your boundaries have been violated. And so it's a very gradual, you know, it's like any new skill. You know, you you practice and you're fairly clumsy. <laughs> When you start off, you know. So there was a time when I started to learn more about myself, and I'd, you know, sort of tell everyone, uh, "Well, that's not, you know, <laughs> that that that's not ideal," because you need to be selective about who, where, what, when, um, and you learn that, you know, you learn that by, you know, um, small steps, and you know, finding out, no, that was not ideal. You know, how do I do it differently next time? And so it's it's a very gradual stepwise process, and it's not, you know, I said to be more open, but yes, to a degree. But there's also this sort of learning, gradual learning process, and you know, certainly in therapy, I mean, a lot of that was modelled for me as well. Um, you know, the boundaries of therapy were very, um, very sustaining, and you know, certainly my therapist was there for me. You know. 
as unconditionally as as someone could be but she also you know kept kept boundaries that helped to show me what that was like but also to keep me safe until I could do it for myself so um, when, when you say about keeping boundaries uh, in that context like what does that look like so we had you know So as a therapist, we had set time. She was always on time or, you know, very minor exceptions. Sessions finished when they were meant to finish. They didn't go over time. Um, she, um, she did allow me to call after hours when there were particular reasons for it, but when there weren't, you know, she'd, she'd, she'd close that. So it was about an understanding You know, because there was a there was a while where I was just so needy that I would have been, you know, happy to, you know, sit in her house permanently. You know, so it was about <laughs> <laughs> her, her doing what she needed to keep keep me safe, but also showing me and me gradually, you know, developing those internal skills myself. So that then I'd, you know, I'd have much better judgment about what was appropriate and what was not appropriate, and 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 my need decreased over time as well. That makes total sense, and I think that 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 process of setting boundaries and understanding what works for you is, like you say, so crucial to building trust. I now almost look at reevaluating relationships, uh, whether that's at work or with friends or in the family evaluating them from that perspective of trust like uh, no can yeah. i can i trust you yeah. with sharing my thoughts ideas feelings right yeah that's right and who do you trust with what and it's about learning you know who are your you know and and i remember my therapist saying if you have two or three friends that you know are really there for you you know really there for you in a mutual way that's quite remarkable And, you know, we all have, you know, and it's not to minimize the other relationships, but it's about being realistic about what to expect and also knowing that, um, you know, it's, it's difficult for others to, to be there at times as well. And so, you know, it's very important for, you know, people in the family and, and carers to also get their own support because, It's quite challenging walking alongside as, as a loved one of someone going through, you know, profound trauma and healing, and it's very confusing. So it's it's about you know how how you know how how do they also get the support and self care that they need to be able to sustain that journey? So you know um, it's it's both challenging and inspiring to see someone heal and heal and recover, but. You know, it's 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 a circuitous um, journey, and 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 everyone needs you know needs good support and to be able to make sense of what's going on as well. Absolutely, and I think it I think it speaks to just your heart and what what you're doing with your book and with Blue Knot and 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 in your desire to help and support and inspire others. Tell me, how did that come up? You you that 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 need or. Or, 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 or desire to to share that story in a way that that helps others. Look, I mean, I think as I, you know, my story was about initially 
about me making sense of myself. But I also realised that uh, I was a privileged survivor in that I had the resources um, to get really good support. And I know that, you know, it can be very challenging and I'm not saying therapy is everyone's journey. Everyone's got their own unique path to journey, to, 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 to healing. But, but I saw, you know, the change in myself and that, you know, there is hope and there is, there are possibilities for healing. And, you know, and I also found that when I was struggling, as I said, I, you know, I read the psychology section of the library, but I also read people's stories. And I also read, you know, and, you know, you can feel so alone on this journey. You can feel like you're the only person who's ever experienced it. And reading, you know, other people's stories, that they may not have this, had the same things happen, but there's, there are commonalities. And it makes you feel less alone, you know, and it helps you to see, you know, that, that they're having reactions, you know, like you have. And, you know, you're not crazy. This is about trauma and about the way trauma affects the, you know, the, the, the brain and the body. This is about trauma reactions. Uh, it's about survival. And so, you know, that can help you also just stop blaming yourself as much for your own traumatic journey and for its impacts and the way you've coped and for whatever the, the picture is. Um, it, it can just help. And so I suppose my story um I felt also could potentially, you know, help others in that way. And, you know, uh, as I say, I would write it differently now. I do think it's a bit bit raw. But, um, you know, people have also said that it has helped them. So, you know, that that's great. Every, everyone, you know, finds their own path. And, and, and you know, certainly um, in mental health and in the trauma field, um, you know, the, the voice of lived and living experience is finally becoming much more valued and, you know, it's much more at the centre of everything as it should be because who knows, you know, better than, than the person themselves. Not saying that they don't need help and support, but, I mean, people's stories are, are unique and um, they all deserve to be honoured and to be heard and, you know, and the bottom line is people need to be believed. People need to be believed. People need to be heard, and 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 that connection as well is so important. Connecting mm -hmm. with people who have been through yeah. a, a similar experience, to as you yeah. say, to yeah. hear these stories and to meet people yeah. who've been through it. Yeah, and also to see that you know people can live full and rich lives, um, despite or with what happened to them, with what happened to them. Um, so, because there are times where, you know, you can certainly lose hope. And that was the other thing my therapist did for me. She held on to hope when I really struggled to feel it myself. Um, and she was right. You know, there is a, you know, um, you know, I'm not being Pollyanna. It's not easy, but, you know, there are pathways. And, and we know we hear, you know, stories of recovery a lot and we know from the research that, you know, with neuroplasticity, the brain can change and can heal and can repair. Um, and, and that's the message that we need to get out. Absolutely. And 
Tell me, how did uh, Blue Note Foundation, how did that come about? So, uh, I mean, Blue Knot is um, followed an organization called ASCA, so it was rebranded. <laughs> so ASCA is an organization that's been around since 95 and it was established by um, three survivors of child sexual abuse who, who couldn't find anywhere to go to. And it was an organization that I found in my journey and because I was looking for whatever I could find to help. And so uh, I joined ASCA over, over 20 years ago and you know, gradually became, you know, on the board and, and, and part of it. And we, um, we changed our name to Blue Knot because we, you know, ASCA stood for adults surviving child abuse and surviving felt like it was just surviving and, you know, didn't, didn't really capture the hope that we're talking about and the possibilities for healing. And so Blue Knot Foundation, uh, we've got a logo, which is a metaphor, and that logo is a tangled knot, and that's the confusion and the chaos of trauma. And it gradually gets smoothed out over time, and so that's what Blue Knot brings. And blue because it's the colour of the sky. It's the colour of possibility. It's the colour of hope. And so that's that's Blue Knot. And, you know, we um, what we are is an organisation uh, that works with people who've experienced all forms of interpersonal, so person-to-person -person trauma, so violence, abuse, neglect, exploitation, often as a child, but not exclusively. And we know uh, that, that sometimes people experience repeated trauma through their lives in different, different ways. So we call that complex trauma. And so our organisation works with people who've had those experiences um, and we've, we've selected the area of complex trauma because people don't understand, don't appreciate the difference from the trauma of a single incident and not to minimise anyone's trauma. But when we're talking about a, a natural disaster, a flood, a fire, or a, or a single assault as an adult, it obviously has a significant impact. But when you've experienced repeated trauma, often as a child, you know, when the brain is growing and developing, it can have a much more profound impact on, on your sense of self, on your relationships, on the physical and mental health and so forth. And so we felt that we really needed to, to differentiate that because what it means is that, you know, there needs to be different approaches and different understandings around supporting people with complex trauma. Now, why does it take four years before you can trust a, trust a counsellor? You know, why do people, you know, some people with complex trauma have never felt safe. You know, it's not about going back to a space of safety. It's about, you know, finding a, a space of safety in your own body and with others in the first place. So there are different elements to it, and that needs to be understood. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a different journey. So what are some of those uh, some of those needs when people who go through complex trauma, as you say, repeated abuses, sometimes things, um, I think as you said, they come up later in life as well. And, and there are things mm. that perhaps the impact of it or, or that lack of safety or lack of trust, does that also sometimes create, you know, um, exposure to other difficult things throughout life? Look, I mean, you know, Everyone's an individual, and you know this is a this is a very 
um, broad brush. You know, so complex trauma can impact people, you know, in many, many ways. Um, but what we haven't talked about is the way people cope. And people cope, you know, as best they can. Uh, because what happens when you experience repeated trauma, the world is dangerous. And so you're often, you know, almost permanently in survival mode. You know, so you've got a very heightened nervous system and you're very allergic to, to any threat or perceived threat. And what that can mean is that, um, you know, people are often, you know, very heightened, very anxious. Um, and so people acquire all sorts of coping strategies to try and calm that, to try and numb that angst or distress. And that can include, you know, things such as, you know, substance misuse, uh, self-harm, um, overeating, overexercising, overworking. You know, so some are more socially acceptable than others, but there are various ways people just try and calm that nervous system, and that needs to be understood. But those coping strategies, of course, you know, cause their own uh, flow on effects as well and can impact, you know, health and, and social engagement and, you know, so, so it's a very complex picture, you know, um, and also just the, the physiological effects of that overactive nervous system, you know, can affect, you know, people's health and, and well-being. So it's, it, it, it's, it's a, it's a very complex picture. You know, some people, because they were uh, unable to settle even as a young child, haven't been able to complete an education, or they they grew up in a in a family which you know of neglect in which that wasn't possible. So, and and that of course impacts their ability to to hold down a job later in life. So I mean it's just such a, a complex picture. So it sounds like what the the support uh, is uh, needs to be also. Um, thought of differently in terms of time as well, right? For someone with complex trauma. I mean, people go in and out of reaching for support. So because people struggle to trust, you know, people don't come into doctor's surgeries and say, I have complex trauma, help me. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's you know, so, so reluctant to, to, to reach out. Um, often feel and have been not well understood by all sorts of health practitioners and often re-traumatised in experiences of, 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 of seeking help. So there's a complex combination of factors there as well as to why it's not so easy to reach out for support. You know, we have people ringing our helpline saying, you know, this is the first time in which I've had someone just sit and listen to me, not interrupt not try and, you know, um, say something trite, but just hear me and just that being heard and, you know, feeling that the person on the other side at a fundamental level understands the experience. You know, that's that's profound. Um, and, and you know, it's it's improving gradually, but there's a long way to go in terms of, understanding and you know as human beings we judge you know very quickly and you know there are many adults who you know are just struggling day to day you know they may be struggling to to find housing um you know they've, they've used 
alcohol, you know, their whole life. And but we, no one in general, you know, thinks, oh, they've experienced complex trauma. How can we help? Think, oh my God, you know, why can't you get your act together? You know, so how do we as a society change that understanding? Um, so that we can be there to support people wherever they are, you know, in, in whatever space they are. Yeah, that's so vital, Kathy. And when you say, yeah, it's such a, with what you described, that experience of even being heard and, and, and being seen, I guess, as a person with, with complex needs, with, with, a, with, with, with history, with, as, as a, as a kind of multifaceted human being. Yeah. That's Correct. that's it's so diff, it's so vital to take that into account uh, yeah. when we, we when we're dealing with people and so if someone was wanting to reach out to to um, to a helpline uh, I guess what would what would they expect like what what sort of um, what would the call look like even on a practical level or what well, it, it depends. It depends on what they present with, what they want. You know, it's mm -hmm. about the counselor being there to respond to the person in the moment. Uh, but often, a lot of you know people will be agitated, and what's useful is to to do some grounding exercises. You know, to to develop some strategies for managing strategies around being triggered. Um, some some education around, um, you know, trauma and, you know, trauma in the body and, you know, how, how the body reacts and, you know, to help people understand that, that what's going on in their life is not their fault, but it makes sense in the context of what happened to them. And then trying to understand, well, you know, what supports do you have around you? You know, who, who is there? You know, because often there may be someone there, but it's very hard for you to see. Um, so, and yeah, and sort of understanding, yeah, what is it someone needs in that moment? And then obviously, you know, going forward as well. Exactly. And as you say, there is, um, uh, you work also with, with doctors and, and medical professionals to support them about their needs around, um, uh, well, how, what are some yeah. of the best ways to work with complex trauma? What is it that you think that, um, you know that that uh, we need, I guess, as a society, in terms of you know doctors to support well, people with complex trauma better. Well, look, we we have a very you know growing training arm, and we you know provide um, training to to a lot of practitioners, not not just medical practitioners, health practitioners, legal practitioners, so on and so forth, to really give them the the basics around understanding trauma. And how to be, you know, trauma informed. How to respond in in the first instance, not doing any harm. How how to respond to the to the person that you're engaging with. How to have trauma on the radar. So if someone is presenting to to a, to a medical practitioner, that they'll start to think that you know, yes, they've got this presenting symptom, but what may be underpinning and doctors are in, often in the best position because they've known people over a period of time and they know families over a period of time so they have the context but it's about that primary education um, and then how to yeah so how, how how to engage connect how to you know find out what it is you know same, same as I was saying before you know what that person needs 
Um, and we also, you know, train people uh, who are working therapeutically in how to respond um, to people with complex trauma. So, you know, how to keep pe people safe, how to stabilise them, how, 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 how to help them feel secure, how to, how to help them understand, you know, the ways they've coped and start to think about, well, maybe there are more constructive ways. So, you know, there's many, many different ways that we sort of build capacity in the, in the, in the, in the, in the different sectors. Uh, but it's all about how do we make a more humane world that is there to um, be aware of people with trauma experiences and to be able to support them either themselves or, or understand the pathways, you know, for possible support. Uh, but how to be, you know, how to be person-centred, you know, respond in a human way, not judge, understand, accept and help support the person to understand and accept themselves. That is a powerful vision, Kathy. And I just want to bring it back to you now because, you know, you do this um, incredible work and making a difference and supporting and empowering so survivors and, and supporting, you know, um, creating a way to um, help folks who've been through or might be living with difficult difficult circumstance. So uh, I just want to quote the the, the, the um, line from your book. I think it's a closing line that, that's really struck me. Is when you say, um, as I emerge from my personal Holocaust into the light of a new day, I gaze across at the dawning of the next phase of my life and I'm truly blessed. I know okay, there's so, so much light and, and beauty in that. Um, it kind of distills, I think, some of the... Um, work that you're doing out in the world so i just want to ask you kathy just to close off what what i guess are you grateful for what gives you hope the most right now what am i grateful for i'm very grateful for an amazing family that i have who's been you know we've all been on you know a challenging difficult journey together but you know it's, it's just it's it's so connected so alive it's so rich um And I also, you know, am grateful for just the possibility of healing. Um, for, for, yeah. And the possible, and, and the fact that society now is having many more of these conversations, you know, it's becoming a, a little bit more open and we're starting to see some change. And we're starting to see, you know, a bit more understanding, a bit more of a shift. And hopefully that'll pick up a head of pressure. Um, and continue to move forward. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, Kathy. Thank you for what you do in the world and thank you for being here. Thanks so much, Joe. Thank you for being here, my friend. I want to deeply honor your life, your story, and where you are today. And it's my hope that this show, it, it serves you in some way, because I believe that we are all just capable of so much more than we think sometimes. And, and, and this incredible potential of what we are capable of and leading a life that you're proud of, that you're excited by, what I tell myself, so they're my loved ones. And that's what I'm here, just sharing this, this with you, right? And I, and I have this vision. I have this vision for bringing together survivors. Survivors of trauma, of difficult experience, of difficult circumstance. 
that that's going through sexual abuse, domestic violence, living with illness, going through war, bringing together people who've been through it or are living through difficult times, their loved ones, so we can come together to give, give our best in our lives, in, in, in with our loved ones, in our communities, in our work, to grow, to grow towards our dreams, towards our hopes, towards our desires, and to heal, to heal from difficulties and struggle and making sense of what's right for you today. That's why I'm here. That's why I wrote my book, Finding Hope in Times of Uncertainty, a guide to thriving in the challenging world of today. And if this vision, just if it speaks to you in some way, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear from you if you could email me at joe at powertobehappy.com That's J-O-E at power to be happy.com whatever you want to say I'd, I'd love to hear from you please let me know what you think and thank you again so much for being here today i'll speak to you next time